Hey all, this is my third attempt at recording this podcast today. There have been multiple interruptions and I honestly was not even able to think of words during the last recording, so it's best to just start over. But anyway, today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, gardening in a container and all of the different things that can go horribly wrong and what the solutions may be. Now, I've got to say, I, <laughs> I've i been encountering some issues with my container garden, and that's what prompted me to record this podcast. But also, there's a couple other things I would like to throw in at the end based on some conversations I've been having with a lot of different people and things I've been hearing. So, um, yeah, let's talk about food production and, and what we can do to troubleshoot issues if you're growing in containers and even if you're not there may be some tips in here for you but you know i i've had a i have a long history of taking care of plants and keeping plants alive and well and most of them most of the years i think it was it's indoor plants i find those to be a lot easier but um you know we lived in portland for five years and my garden was on and popping in portland but it's, it was different because obviously the climate was different. There's actually a shorter growing season, but uh, everything was in the ground. So that makes a huge difference. And it's so funny how quickly you can forget the difference that these small nuances make and try to do a container garden in the same way you did an in-ground garden or vice versa. It's just, it it doesn't work. So... A lot of people right now are renting homes or they're living in a situation where, for whatever reason, you know, like us in the RV right now, uh, they're just not in a permanent spot. And so it's not ideal to plant a lot of plants in the ground and then leave them there, especially if they're plants that come back year after year or fruit trees or something like that. I mean, yeah, okay, if you're going to be there for a couple years, you know that and you can do a little in-ground thing, go for it, do it. But that's not always the case. And I've been talking to quite a few people lately who are in that situation. And everyone is not necessarily in Arizona, but I think I think Arizona has us, because of the extreme heat and the sun here, I think we have a little bit special circumstance going on down here where well, I just, it's funny, I just saw a meme, and it was like, when it says full sun in Arizona, it doesn't mean full sun, and it's so true. If you're reading things that say full sun, in Arizona, it does not mean full sun. It means afternoon shade. Yes, plants like, you know, six hours of sun, and there are some vegetables and trees that can handle it. My citrus trees, most of them love the afternoon sun. They're doing fine in it. And then there's some others that aren't doing so hot and they're not even getting the afternoon sun, but they're getting sunburned. There's just a lot of issues. The good thing about container gardening is you can move things and see where it does better and try and figure out why that is. Now, I know that I just moved a blood orange tree to... I didn't think it was that different of a space, but it's getting scorched. And I'm guessing that the reason is because even though it's not getting afternoon sun, it's only getting morning sun like it was before. It's now up against a white surface, the white background of the RV. 
And I think that that morning sun is just hitting that white so hard and it's reflecting back onto the tree so hard that it's just burning it. So it's little, I mean, it's everything. It's crazy how many things can go wrong with your garden. And it can be really discouraging when you are growing things and things are dying or, you know, they're just failure to thrive. It feels like you're a failure. But I think that we need to keep in mind that this is a good growing season for us all. If you're new to gardening or if you're new to gardening in a different zone or you're trying containers right now versus in-ground, you know, if you're trying any new technique at all, there's going to be a learning curve. So be patient with it and be grateful that we live in a moment where while it's imperative that we be learning these skills now and honing them, we don't have to live off of what we've only grown right now. So we have room for error. And I think it's just important to keep that in mind and that we're all learning and we're growing. And remember that failure isn't really failure. It's just an opportunity to learn. So without any further ado, um, let's get into it. Okay, so in my garden currently right now I'm experiencing what I feel like is a failure to thrive in the plants they're just not what while they have either doubled or tripled or even quadrupled in size they're not producing very much or they're just not as big as they normally would be like you know a zucchini plant gets huge and they start making zucchinis early so my zucchini plants aren't doing that great the weird thing is I went to my friend's house and I helped her plant. I, you know, I picked out all the plants at the nursery and they're the same ones I got literally the same exact plant, the same brand, the same everything. And her garden is doing so much better. Some of it is in ground and some of it is in containers. They're, um, half cut wine barrels but they're sitting on the ground and they're all getting blasted by afternoon sun. I mean, there's no shade from the afternoon sun for these plants. So it's kind of crazy to me. Hers are 10 times the size of my plants, making all kinds of vegetables. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And I'm just like, this is insane. Why is this happening to me? So I had to do a little bit of investigation and I came up with a few answers. Now I haven't had enough time to make these adjustments and see the outcome. So I'm going to have to keep you posted on that, but I'm pretty sure that these things are going to make a difference. And if they don't, then I will have to conclude that it is the most difficult one to address. And I'm going to get to what that is and why I'm waiting till last to see if that's it, because it is the most difficult to address. Okay. So first off, uh, we know that plants need good soil, nutrient dense soil, sunlight and water to live. So let's look at the soil. I have been hearing a lot about the packaged soil just not being as nutrient dense and a lot of people experiencing basically a failure to thrive in their seedlings and in their plants when they've bought this dirt. And I was listening to a podcast and I I think I had mentioned this in a previous podcast of mine, but I was listening and a girl was talking about this very issue in seedlings. And she was mentioning that she uses Kellogg organic potting soil. And that's exactly what I use. So I thought I don't really like to buy miracle Grow because it's Monsanto. I don't want to 
give them any of my money. I, they have toxic agricultural practices. And even if it says organic, I'm just not in. I'm not sold. So I opt for something that I feel like is probably better. Although, truth be told, I don't really know. Um, I did do a little tiny bit surface level research into who owns Kellogg and I couldn't come up with any bigger, larger organization. Like, you know how 10 companies own all the different food companies. I couldn't, I didn't come up with anything. That doesn't mean it's not out there. That means that's where my research stopped. That's about the amount of patience or time I had available. And so that's where I stopped. Um, it could be owned by Miracle. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if the fact that these bags had less nutrients in them and, and the chunks are larger has anything to do with the corporate takeover of food and the complete collapse of society as we know it. And it's just another spoke in the wheel or if it's just happenstance, like maybe there was some bad batches that went out or if it has anything to do with trying to conserve the amount of fertilizers that are going into these packages of dirt because they're concentrating more on bigger farms. I don't know what it is. All I know is that it seems to be that the packaged bags of potting soil are not as nutrient dense as they once were. And a lot of people all over are having an issue with their plants growing in these bags of soil. So what I decided, well, and not only that, when you're growing in containers, you're constantly watering them and everything is just flushing right out the bottom because you should have really good drainage holes. They should be in a place where the water actually drains and doesn't just puddle necessarily into a tray unless there's room in that tray for it to overflow and spill out. Or I even had a couple of pots that the drainage hole singular that it came with was so flat to the surface that it was if it was sitting on a table it it kind of just got stuck there it worked as the table acted as a plug and it wasn't really draining out and i don't think one drainage hole was enough so if you've got plastic pots and things like that you can always drill in an extra hole even when your plant is in it just be careful you can drill them in on the sides too um you can get creative with that so really good drainage is first and foremost and then adding nutrients to our soil weekly so we need to be fertilizing weekly when they're in containers because it's all running out now this is a lot different you do not have to fertilize like this if your plants are in the ground because the nutrients are in the ground they're coming naturally from the ground they stay in the ground it's a whole different ballpark so container gardening in a sense is a little more pricey in the fact that you have to be buying fertilizer now, I just got some four-pound bags of organic fertilizer not made from um, biosolids and gross stuff like that. That was about $5.99 a bag. I thought that was a pretty good deal. So I bought a few bags of those because I didn't seem to have a larger bag. Another thing um, you can do, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just stick with that. So I would buy organic fertilizers, things that aren't going to burn your plants there's different ways to do it. There's foliar sprays. You can even make foliar sprays. And I was doing that for a while and then I stopped and I don't know why. So I need to do that again. But things like putting a banana into some water, letting it kind of ferment, putting some other herbs and tea things in there, and then spritzing that on the leaves of your plants. 
Oh, that's why I stopped because my squirt bottle was just, it was not working out, but I bought new squirt bottles. I have these really adorable glass squirt bottles that I used for home cleaners and everything. Well, it turns out that these uh, high fashion squirt bottles, as my husband calls them, are just not as, I don't know, good, I guess. This, the, the, uh, tops don't I, they get they just stop working for some reason and maybe all of them do that I don't know but I went and I got some very industrial looks like they carry toxins in them squirt bottles from Lowe's and they were you know three bucks each or something and they hold a lot more and the squirter is just so powerful so see how those hold up I don't like them as much because I like my things to be pretty but hey it's not about pretty right now it's about uh it's about quality, right? It's about utilitarian. I want to say utilitarian uses, but that feels like a double, a double, I don't know, something, double something. I don't know, you guys stick with me. Like I said, this is my third attempt at recording this podcast and I don't know what it is. The the words and the thoughts aren't coming. Do I say that every time? Because if I do, maybe it's not the podcast or maybe it's not today. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, okay, so... You're going to fertilize once a week if you're in containers. You want to be sure that you're, um, you are watering appropriately. So in the heat of the summer, last week we just had 115 degree days. You may, depending on the size of your container, depending on what's in it, need to water twice a day. But when before you water that second time in the day, I would really encourage you to kind of dig your fingers down in the top two inches of the soil and... And I just kind of stick my fingers all the way down in there and see. I mean, if it's really wet in there or if it's pretty damp still, you don't need to water again. But if it's dry and everything's wilty, I would water again. Now, the next thing, it feels weird because you're like, oh, you water your plants once a day. But yeah, when they're in containers, sometimes you have to water them twice a day and you don't really think about that. Um, the other thing is moving some plants. So I noticed I have two watermelon plants. One is in the sun most mostly sun all day long it's doing amazing another one was in the shade never grew never doubled in size nothing so i moved that one to the sun and i'm i bet you it's going to take off it needed more sunlight and then there's other plants where you're just kind of watching it like fry the leaves and those need to be moved into the shade so the great thing about container gardens is you can move things around so I would be paying attention to your plants, taking some time every day, seeing what's going on. Are, is something dropping a ton of leaves? Why? Is it overwatered or is it getting sun beaten? Um, if it's overwatered, typically what you're going to see is the leaves turn really yellow and brown and black from the center of the leaf before it falls off. If it's not getting enough water or if it's getting sun scorched, you'll notice the leaves curling, crisping, and dying on the plant while they're still greenish. So, and then there is some nuance in there. Like you might notice leaves yellowing and falling off, but there's a different look to when something is waterlogged and just root rotting out because there's too much water. The way that looks when it, when those leaves die is a deep, yellow and brown quick taking over the whole leaf before it drops um versus just you know a little bit of yellowing here like my fig tree it, it some of the leaves will yellow and drop but it's not 
It's not from water. It's not the same look. It's still partially green or mostly green. So it's just kind of important to be paying attention. Now, someone out there might be thinking, I just don't have time for that. That's just, I just can't. I don't want, you know what, maybe it's just not for me. I just don't want to. I don't have the desire to spend time doing that. I don't have the patience for it. And I just want to encourage you that this is an essential skill that we all need to have, especially now, especially in the coming year or two, and especially with the current state of things where the government wants to control everything, our food, our land, our animals, everything that we need to survive and just ration out to us their toxic, weird, chemical-laden food instead. Like, we need to be able to survive on our own. This may not be of interest to you. You may be thinking or feeling defeated or thinking that this just isn't it for you, but this is going to have to be it for you and for your family if you want to make it through this. And if you want to be independent and self-sufficient, if you're into homesteading in any way, I mean, if you're really into homesteading, chances are you're not giving up on this. But if you're one of the people who was doing this out of necessity and you're not seeing success, you may be really tempted to give up, throw in the towel, say this isn't for me, I've got a black thumb, so on and so forth. But, you know, you develop a green thumb. It doesn't, sure, maybe there's someone out there who it just comes naturally for, I don't know. But it's really trial and error. This is what it's all about. And it doesn't take that long to go out there and pay attention to things. We need to be more attentive to what's going on in the world around us and in our lives anyway. And just think about this is another form of situational awareness, something we should all be adopting in these crazy times. Now, I did martial arts for a long time, and we, one of the huge things for about seven years as an adult, and one of the biggest things is situational awareness. It's, that's what it's all about, what's going on around you, like using your peripherals, paying attention, being alert, and not in a paranoid way, but it's not necessarily paranoid. It could be anything. You could be saving someone else's life. You could see a car driving out of control that was going to hit you or something you need to jump out of the way it could be you know a kidnapping a rape anything like that it could be something falling or you falling or any number of things that you just want to be aware but when we put that same mindset into gardening we're just practice it's just another form of situational awareness like what's going on at this plant are there bugs on it if there's bugs on a plant you need to address it immediately before it gets out of hand if plants are waterlogged and, and or getting sun scorched, those are things that need to be dr- addressed immediately because it will kill your plant if you procrastinate this. And if you go outside and you kind of use it as a meditative practice for me, you know, getting out there with the plants, think about it as something getting back into nature. Don't, don't think of it as like uh, another thing to check off the list, but something that you enjoy. You know, oh, I'm growing this. I'm cultivating this. This is going to feed and nourish me and my family. I need to take care of it. It's like raising a child, right? It's it's like raising chickens. So I don't know. Another form of situational awareness into gardening with you. And so I've been hearing some people say that they were are renting a house and they, they love gardening. They have a huge garden. Reached out to me, asked me how my garden was doing in the extreme heats because like I said, we just came through a week of 113 degree temperatures. And I was like, how's your garden? And they were like, well, you know, we're renting for the next couple of years. So I probably won't have a garden for a couple of years. 
Now, this person is not aware of what's going on in the world. They watch CNN. They are fully jabbed up and believe in it. Still have no idea that the shots are killing people. They have no idea, you know, that there's food shortages coming. None of it. They're not preparing. They're not prepared. Because I would say to them, why you're renting for a couple of years. That seems like you have years worth of food you can grow. So I just want to encourage you, if you're out there thinking that this whole podcast today is about growing in containers for people who still want to be self-sufficient and who um, don't live in their forever home yet. Now, I just posted something yesterday about some of the best vegetables to grow during the Arizona summer. So if anyone's in Arizona in the summer right now and they're thinking, I can't grow anything, I would like to say that that is not true. Eggplant grows really well. They're going to want afternoon shade. Um, but yeah, they're, they grow really well. I've had one that never died. It's on its second year and it's got, I don't know, ten, nine eggplants growing on it right now. Corn does really great. Doesn't need a great deal of water. Needs more nutrients than anything. So, and it can be in full sun all day. Potatoes do great in the Arizona summer. Um, they grow beneath the soil, so they're not that affected by the heat. However, mine are in containers. So, we will see how affected by the heat they are. Otherwise, they may be something I need to do over winter instead. And then in the ground in the summer. But, you know, they're in the shade. And so, we'll kind of see how these potatoes turn out. Um, pumpkins do really great. Pumpkins and melons, they don't want to be overwatered and they do really good in the sun. Like I said, I moved that watermelon plant into the sun because the one that's in the sun for most of the day is doing excellent. Pepper plants, they grow really good apparently in any climate, um, but they, they do really good in the sun and the heat. They need heat, so... Those are just some examples of some of the things that you could be growing and experimenting with over the summer. Tomatoes, I want to say too. Now, the tomatoes can really take a beating when it hits 113. So with all precaution, I would, on those days when you know it's coming, make sure you create shade for the tomatoes and water them a little extra to keep the roots cool, especially if they're in containers. Uh, yeah, but they need heat to ripen. So tomatoes do really good out here in Arizona. Citrus trees seem to do really well. Um, let's see, what else do I have? Okra does great in the heat. So there are things that you can be growing. And even if it's just a little bit, it's, it's something, right? It's a learning process. It's growing something. It's getting something that you can eat. Now, Zucchini is a summer squash and yellow squash, right? This, those are the summer squashes. They grow in the summer and they need to be eaten in the summer because they don't store well. Well, winter squashes can be grown in the summer as well, like your butternut squash, your spaghetti squash, all of those. And they last, they're called winter squashes because you can keep, you don't have to eat them right away. They store well and you can eat them into the winter. So you could be growing those right now. Like I said, pumpkins, you know, get these things going now to harvest in a couple months that you can eat then and over winter but also 
start thinking about the things that you can plant come winter, like onions, garlic, more potatoes. I've got onions now in pots, so we'll see how those take off. Um, but carrots coming up soon. Lufa is something we're going to grow so we can have our own little lufa sponges and put them in our soaps and such. So we're pretty excited about the lufas. Indoors, you can be growing lettuces in windowsills. You can be growing sprouts in a jar where you just have sprouts for your sandwiches. Herbs, a lot of herbs do really good in the heat. So things like this, I would be thinking about at least starting there. And then you'll find that when you add these herbs to your salads and your dinners, even if you just start with herbs, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, fresh herb, this really kicked it up a notch. Like, how about some tomatoes? You know, and you'll start introducing other plants and it's really going to take off for you from there. And like I said, you know, when you're failing because you're encountering all kinds of issues with your plants in the summer. I mean, if we're container gardening in the summer in Arizona, we're honestly, it's like extreme gardening because the roots of your plants are getting hit by the extreme temperatures. You know, they're not protected by the 70 degree soil. So there's just a lot that you have to do. And honestly, if you can master that, you can master anything. So Think about yourself as an extreme gardener and learn this. That way, when you get to your property, whenever that may be, or, you know, whatever the future holds for you, if you are in a forever home ever or whatever, you know, I don't know, a community garden you decide to become a part of, you will be super successful because you've done it. You did it in the hardest of, of circumstances. And I was convinced that growing things in containers was going to be a lot easier than this until the extreme heats hit. And I think that's because, you know, we had the citrus trees and a few other things. Pepper plants do good in containers. Tomatoes can do good in containers. And those were the biggest things we had last year. So last year I had a bunch of ants in my garden that just destroyed my cucumber plant. And so I never got a cucumber harvest. I mean, it's gardening is not for the faint of heart, but it becomes intuitive the more you do it. And it was intuitive to our grandparents because they were raised with this. Everyone was growing their own foods. So we just have to get back into the habit of it. Now, another thing that people I've been hearing people talk about lately is the need for chickens and wanting chickens, but they live in HOAs. And I think that as everything progresses as it is with the rising prices and the shortages of food and people just wanting to be more self-sufficient, they're more open to the idea of keeping Coternick's quail and also I've heard of Bob White quail in their backyard for egg production. Because these quail just sound like birds. They require a very small space. No neighbor is going to know you have them. They don't sound like insanely loud chickens doing their egg song in the morning or ducks quacking or anything like that. The smell from the ducks, I heard, I don't have ducks yet, but I've been told that they are far more aromatic than chickens. And so, you know, if you're in a tight knit community where you're, backyard backs up to your neighbors and you're not even allowed to have these things you may want to opt for quail which they're so cute I would uh, I would love them they're they're just so adorable so I mean you would get to love these birds feed them and then have super nutrient dense eggs and they they fit in a rabbit hutch and they um 
you know, they don't need a lot of space. They will fly away if you let them out. So you can't do that, but they don't really feel the need for that. So you can do some research on quail, keeping quail for eggs and kind of, you know, it's all about doing what you can do where you can do it. Like for instance, you know, we, and I know I've spoke about this in the past, but we live in an RV and I really can't bake bread in here in the summer. It's, it's impossible because we can't turn on the oven. It would heat the whole place up. The place doesn't stay cool anyway. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, a whole bunch of reasons. So I learned how to bake bread on the grill and I can bake bread on the grill now. So there's no real excuse. You can make excuses or you can find solutions to your problems. How dedicated are you to surviving the next couple years? Mm. And maybe beyond that, depending on how things go, we may just need to become pioneers, old school pioneers, which I am all for. So I have, that doesn't scare me at all. That sounds like, yes, that's it for me. Heck yes. And I can be really tempted to take on a lot of different things at once. And um, I think that it's important that, you know, maybe God is slowing me down in this time and he's letting me figure out the gardens and the chickens before I jump into trying to figure out how to make cheese and raise goats and all the other things. Because if God knows me and he does, I'm going to go and buy goats and do all those things like pigs the second we get out there. And I, I, it's good to perfect certain skills before you move on to other things. So don't look at this container gardening or renting or not being able to have chickens as the end all be all, but just figure out what you can do. Because imagine if you live in an HOA, there's a lot of edible landscaping that you can have. You know, you can look at what you're for your front yard even like as much food as you can grow the better well there's a lot of edible plants that are desert landscaping native desert plants here that that are allowed in HOAs everything from mesquite trees to barrel cactus to um different kinds of like wolfberry and hackberry and oh I'm I'm looking out elephant food things like this all of these things that are allowed in your HOA that are edible and even medicinal. So I would, you know, look into things like that and then fill your front yard, which is the one they usually um, come around and look at and dox you for with edible foods. And then, especially if they're native to where you are, you're really not going to have a problem growing those and they're in the ground. And then whatever you need to grow, like a lot of places don't want citrus trees because they bring in roof rats, so people aren't allowed to have citrus trees. But if you have a citrus tree on your front porch in a big pot, the chances of them knowing are pretty slim, and you're not going to be bringing in roof rats. It's just a matter of keeping the rotting fruit up off the ground, which you're not going to have anyway because you're going to be picking that. And especially when you have trees and pots, they don't, it's not a huge overgrown tree producing way more than you can eat. You know what I mean? And there's ways to preserve these lemons and and juices and rinds and all of these things and use them, every part of them without letting it go to waste. So you just have to be strategic. And like I said, getting the quail and then doing what you can do with where you're at. And, and just think of that, like, that's amazing. Like it doesn't have to be, Oh, I've got 10 acres or five acres or even an acre 
or even a quarter acre. You know, it can be exactly where you are right now doing what you can. And so I just really encourage you to become as self-sufficient as you can. Um, Trial and error. Don't give up. Everything is an opportunity to learn. Sometimes we just have to say, okay, this isn't working. I need to do a little research. What is going wrong with my plants? And I'll keep you posted on what changes with my garden. Um, I, like I said, I just fertilized it yes, today and yesterday. Yesterday I went through and I, I put just a, a garden tone fertilizer over it. And then I also went through and added some Epsom salt for magnesium today. So I fully anticipate good things. Oh, 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 you guys, what? I almost left out the most important thing. Okay. So we got soil, we got sun moving some things around into less sun and more sun depending on what it's doing and then the hardest one to address is water because if we're watering with city water it is full of chemicals like chlorine and chloramine and fluoride and things that not only are toxic to humans but plants don't like them either and so I tried to do a little research and see what the city water that we have right here right now where I am what are the chemical additives? And I, I just didn't have time to continue doing the deep research on that yesterday. I had other things to do. So I kind of gave up on that. And, you know, I know, like, I, I have a Berkey water filter. So we use tap water, but we filter it through the Berkey. And that gets out so much of this gnarly stuff that's in the water. And we also, you know, get bottled water from time to time. But, um... Bottled water has its own thing, like it's in plastic and it was transported in heat and the breast cancer thing and all that, yada, yada, yada. So everything's got its downside. Unfortunately, we are being hit from all angles with toxins and we just have to figure out how to work around it as best we can. But when it comes to watering plants, I'm not going to filter gallons and gallons and gallons of water through the Berkey to give it to them. You ever notice how your garden takes off after a rain? It's because that rainwater is so good. So if you're in a place where you can harvest rainwater and use that later, that is ideal. If you have well water, getting it tested to make sure it's not full of all kinds of gnarly chemicals and things, and then getting a filter for it if it is. Um, sometimes the heavy mineral-laden water, the plants don't like as well. So, and we have very hard water here in Arizona. So, um, Obviously, for obvious reasons, that's why I'm I'm not addressing that yet. I'm going to see what changes with fertilizing it weekly and making some adjustments to the amount of sun that things are getting. And honestly, I found that I'm going to be giving things more sun than they're getting right now. So I thought I would be giving them less, but nope, there's some things that need more. So anyway, guys, stay tuned. I will keep you posted on how that goes. And just don't give up on your own garden. Do some research. If you see certain bugs, put in a search for teeny tiny white bugs that look like dust when they, you know, this is how I found out back in the day, white flies. That's white flies. It looks like dust when you hit it. Guess what? If that's the description you came up with, that's the exact same description someone else came up with. And they searched it and it's going to propagate all this information for you aphids happen, you know, bugs happen. The more um, nutrient rich your soil is though, the less bugs you're going to experience. And I've been pretty blessed. I've only had a couple of incidences with white flies and I tore those plants out immediately. So they did not infest the rest of my, fed them to the chickens. The chickens were happy. 
those typically are drawn to like cruciferous vegetables I've noticed the most. Um, but yeah. So anyway, just keep on keeping on. Do some research. Don't give up. This is important for survival of maybe the human race in general. And, and I honestly believe that because if they have it their way, they're going to feed us all their toxic GMO, scientifically altered foods. And that's not what God made us to eat. God made everything exactly how it was supposed to be. And so you wonder why there's, you know, um, celiac disease, for instance, because of all of the GMO wheat and things. It's this, it's this tainting of our food supply, you guys. So buy heirloom seeds, buy organic, you know, don't get GMO, non-GMO seeds, things that haven't been altered and save, learn how to seed save because they're doing different kinds of alterations now to the, and that they, they don't have to label it where they're taking things out of the food, taking out little snippets of, of, I don't even know how to, how to say this, but, um, they're altering foods where they're taking things out and they don't have to label it and it is tainting the food supply. So what you want to do is get non-GMO heirloom seeds whenever you can and seed save. And another thing about that is that every single year that you have a plant, it's adapt. Those seeds from that are coming out of that plant are adapted to the climate more and more and more. So you plant those seeds next year, you're going to have even better harvest and so on and so forth. So there's so many benefits to this, you guys. So yeah, just stay the course. Don't give up. Grow food. Get quail. Learn about edible landscaping and survive what's coming. All right, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.